You're listening to the Concession Stand Podcast on the Orbital Jigsaw Network. From movies and tech to WWE and video games, come let your geek flag fly with your hosts, Nick Howe and Andy Nelson. Session stand. This is episode number 23, and I'm your host, Nick Howell. With me, as always, the returning from Houston, causing this episode to be a little bit late getting <laughs> out to you, Mr. Andy Nelson. How are you, sir? I'm a bit tired. Uh, I'm on hour 19 of being awake. Uh, but guess what? Episode 23, my favorite number 23, the best number 23 of all time, Mr. Michael Jordan. Uh, and I will give him a stone cold salute. I said, give me a hell yeah. The GOAT. There's also LeBron James wearing 23. Don Mattingly wore 23. There's a bunch of other 23s. Oh, but, Lots of GOATs in 23. But it's <laughs> it's Michael Jordan. It's Michael Jordan. Oh, of course. Of course. Speaking of uh, sports ball stuff, uh, <laughs> we uh, did something pretty awesome last weekend. Uh, yes, you did the whole went to the Super Bowl site. We'll talk about that in just a minute. But let's talk about last weekend first. We, we got to see the NHL All-Star game activities festivities and the game here in los angeles yeah it was uh it was a really cool weekend um we had uh all of the nhl stars here they the nhl also and we'll talk about this real quick uh hockey's a, a sport that's very near and dear to my heart i play my daughter plays uh they announced the top 100 players of all time in no specific order right so there was a weekend of activities at the staple center where the kings play that we go to a lot as as uh kings fans um, on Saturday, we got to see the skills competition where the, the, the best stars put on like this, this show of just all kinds of like crazy skills, like the hardest shot and the fastest skater and all it's like that. a hockey decathlon. Yeah, in it, was, a way. it was really neat. Um, and then Sunday, of course, was the actual all-star game. But the, the big takeaway for us, we went into uh, the Staples Center uh, early on Saturday before the skills competition and they had the celebrity game, the celebrity game with a bunch of old NHL players versus a bunch of celebrities like Cuba Gooding Jr. was in it and Tim Robbins was in it. And, and like, Tim Riggins. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, Taylor Kish, whatever his name sure, is. Sure, but the big takeaway was guess as fans of our show, guess who was on the ice and actually wasn't too bad of a skater. He's a hell of a skater. Uh, Justin Mr. Bieber. Mr. Justin Bieber. And here's <laughs> what we got to see. We got to see Justin Justin Bieber assist and and pass a goal to Eric Lindros, NHL Hall of Famer, and Lindros scores the goal. So you'll never hear <laughs> in the history of whenever in the, in the future you'll never ever hear again Lindros from Bieber and like goal scored by number eighty eight Eric Lindros assisted by Justin Bieber. That happened. <laughs> we also saw Justin Bieber actually score a goal. But the takeaway, the funny thing, you may have seen this on Yahoo or wherever. Uh, uh, Chris Pronger, former NHL like defenseman who was kind of a, a dirty player. Yeah. He put Bieber into the boards. Not like like not like destroyed him, but put Bieber into the boards and there was a picture online of like Bieber's face like smashed up against the boards. So we saw what I would call the Justin Bieber hat trick. Goal, assist, and him getting pummeled into the boards. Yes. It was awesome. The game itself is fantastic. If you're a hockey fan out there, like I've become a huge fan of the three on three format. I think the more I watched that, the more I really liked it. It was faster. It was much more fun. Lots more goals getting scored. That might have been the nature of the all star game and the caliber of players that were on the ice all the time. But I, I don't know. That was a lot of fun. Thank you for uh, for having me along. Of with course. You. And the other big thing that was really cool was on Sunday before the game started, they had all of those the living players of the 100 that oh, yeah. were all on the ice at the same time. 
And then with the current all-stars, so all of those players on the same ice at the same time, we're talking Gretzky, you know, we're talking Lemieux, Yager, Yager, Bobby Hall, like all those guys were all on the ice at the same time. when I got there, I got there a little bit late uh, that day. So when I got there and I walked out into the the arena, they were all lined up on both sides. So the the all-star players were already coming out, but you saw those two rows of legends and it was just wow. Yeah, I've never seen a collection of that many sports legends in one spot at one time. And that was pretty neat. No kidding. Regardless of whether you're a hockey, baseball, whatever fan, and you might not be a fan of any sports, but it was a really neat thing. No, but respect uh, is due all around. Yeah, uh, tell me about your trip to Houston. Yeah, okay. that, was a, that was a lot of uh, fun that you kind of did in a whirlwind two-day trip. Yeah, I left uh, I left two days ago and uh, went down there yesterday. Uh, or No, I went down there Wednesday, and then yesterday we, uh, we filmed a... Um, uh, a Nickelodeon special that's going to be on just before the Super Bowl. I think it's on at noon, uh, dis- depending on what okay. coast you're on. Either one, uh, it's a it's a, a superstar slime showdown. So if, if you have Nickelodeon, you got to have slime. But there were a bunch of former NFL players, uh, three kids from the show School of Rock. Uh, it was hosted by Nick Cannon. Uh, the Dude Perfect guys were there. Do you were the Dude oh, Perfect yeah. guys, the YouTube guys that just do all these crazy, crazy trick shots? Yeah, and they were doing a bunch of crazy, cool stuff too. And those guys were awesome. That's awesome. But uh, it was like Drew Brees, Ladainian Tomlinson, Wes Welker, like a bunch of like cool players. So I literally was in and out of of Houston in the last thirty six hours. Oh god. Um, but I will tell you this: I have never seen in my life a collection of law enforcement and military personnel. And this was just at the convention center for this thing. I, I, there were people walking around with dogs. Uh, there were, you know, our army guys with full assault rifles just walking around. I mean, Damn. It, it was it was intimidating, but at the same time, it was kind of really welcome cool. to Texas. <laughs> yeah, yeah, a little bit of that, a <laughs> little bit of that. But uh, uh, it was it was neat. Uh, I'm excited for uh, the weekend. It was really neat to just beat. I've never been to like a, a Super Bowl city like moments before the Super Bowl and to see the kind of like energy and atmosphere uh, in that town and, and just be around like the corporate whatever it is was really neat. So um, if you have kids, I would recommend you, you, if you hear this show before this is on on Sunday, check out the uh, Superstar Slime Showdown. That's, that's on, a tongue twister. S- Superstar Slime Showdown? That's it? Say that three times real fast. What about you? Well, while you were gone, uh, <laughs> I, I kind of got my ass handed to me a little bit. So uh, I've been playing a lot. We've been talking about the last couple of weeks. I've been playing a lot of ranked Overwatch. And basically what that entails is a skill rating that you're assigned and you're only playing against people that are at your skill or better, right? Uh, or and within the average. Yeah. Right? It's a five-on-five kind of, or six-on-six six kind of game. So my skill rating started going, getting better. So over the course of the last uh, two weeks, I've, it's gone up and up and up. And I, there's a great thing that happens where they just slap you in the face when you get to a certain level uh, that's kind of at your peak where you plateau out. And they drop you in the deep end with like the pros. <laughs> oh no! So I literally went on a tear uh, for two full days of just complete losses. I think I won maybe one or two out of twenty to thirty matches. Wow! And I <laughs> saw my skill rating plummet. Probably put me back where I was supposed to be. Yeah. But I had a really good stretch there for a while where I won like ten straight games, had a bunch of stats and all that stuff, and I think it shot me up to a level that it was probably above where I'm at as a player. Uh, so I mean, Overwatch. I am having an absolute blast playing it. The Uner- Lunar Festival is is awesome. Capture the flag, all that stuff we talked about in the last couple of weeks. I thought it was something fun that I would share with you guys. Uh, that uh, you know, just a fun story of getting checked. Okay. Every now and then. Is it uh, how demoralized were you? Like, is it is it like a situation where you don't want to play the game anymore? Like, when you lose that many times on any game that you play, there's a certain point where you're just like, I'm done with this. Do you did you have that? Kind of. I mean, the Cleveland Browns keep playing every year because they they continue to. to well, they lose, get paid. You don't. That, that's true. They're getting paid millions. But at the same time, it's 
it, it can be if you let it get to you. It, it can certainly, and there's a whole psychological conversation that you could probably have about that. But uh, take breaks, yeah. play five games, take a break, come back in an hour. You know, you can do it in stints like that. But you know, there's you enjoy the game for the game, and it's a lot of really the thing with the ranked play is that there's a lot of it's a lot of two to three and three to two and back and forth and sure. really really tight knit games. That's fun for me. It's not really about the wins and the losses ultimately, even though that's kind of the the, the pinnacle of sports is winning. But at the same time, it's you know as long as you're having fun. And there's two two things I'll say about ranked Overwatch. You're either in those tight, really three to two kind of close. It's two to two, and you're playing for the fifth round, and yeah. it, you know it's the last battle, last string, or you're just getting completely blown out, yeah. right? One or you're blowing, doing the blowing out yourself. There's really no middle ground there. It's either one of those two scenarios, and I kind of really dig that. You know, uh, speaking of middle ground, we should talk about our first story in tech. <laughs> Even off the heels of their amazing return, yearly returns that surprised a lot of us, including me, uh, Apple is losing a little bit of ground in the PC market share space again to uh, to Microsoft. And this is, um, as a tech guy, this is interesting to me because for the last, I'd say, five or six years, there's been a line of about $900 or $1,000. Below that line, Microsoft has kind of dominated, but Apple has kind of taken over in the last five to six years of these high-end kind of, you know, more power user sort of things with MacBook Pros, iMacs, it's a Mac Pros, etc. But we're starting to see with the new Surface desktops and all of that stuff, Microsoft's starting to inch in on some of that. And I think for the first time, we've gotten some new market share numbers that prove that out, that show that that's coming. What's your take on Windows versus Apple when it comes to that? I mean, would you consider ever going back to a Windows PC? No, but I would consider getting a Surface over an iPad. That's the same thing. Well, no, I would I would compare the Surface to your MacBook because while the iPad is a consumption device with apps that you just tap and you read stuff, the Surface is actually a Windows PC. Okay. It's fully interactive the same way your MacBook is. So, it's unfair to compare the Surface, which a lot of people do make sure. this mistake. A lot um it, it's unfair to compare the Surface with the iPad. So I would, I guess I would say, forget that it's a Surface. Right. Would you ever trade Mac OS for Windows, regardless of what the device was? No, that's just it's, it. it's just me. I've been a Mac guy since 1994, so <laughs> okay. it's tough for me to just suddenly. Would I mean, you I, even know what you were doing if you said that? Yeah, I mean, I, I've I've been on Windows machines. I mean, I, I I we used to have a computer with 3.1, and we went through 95 and 98, and all the Windows stuff, and Windows 10 is or whatever that new one is that's also the Xbox one that's great but it's just like I just uh, I'm comfortable with this would I would I make a change to a Microsoft computer because it's uh, $1000 cheaper I'd have to give that a, a really good mm-hmm. thought um but I could also dumb down maybe I don't need a MacBook Pro like I have now to check email and do what I'm doing with it I'm not doing all kinds of crazy like editing soft editing stuff and music stuff on my MacBook, right? I I could do that somewhere else. I'm pretty entrenched in the OS thing and it's it's yeah. all, and it's all about the ecosystem. We've gotten into that and on many of those those sort of things. But again, like I've just said, when it comes to a tablet, I would consider getting a Microsoft one just for the functionality of it and I don't know, it just seems like a it seems like a smaller it seems more like it seems more like a computer than a iPad does. Does that make sense? It, to- it and you're spot on. It totally is. It is a full fledged version of Windows 10 versus iOS, which is more of a mobile consumption 
platform right? right and that could also be me being like well i just need to have a computer with a keyboard or or maybe mac is like this is the way of the future it's the mobile thing and the app sort of thing and the touch screen and that's what we're that's where computers are going and it could be i i don't know but this is this is an but, interesting but, conversation but, sure and we and we've when we've we've gotten into something completely off topic but <laughs> but it's relevant well as an as an aside i'll ask you and maybe it doesn't re- I'll, here's a homework assignment listeners and andy at the same time when was the last time you actually created something like a powerpoint deck or a word document or uh, anything uh, along those lines, a Photoshop edit or a movie edit or anything along those lines that wasn't just pure reading, consuming, or email or internet browsing and Facebook, those I consider consumption. But when ask yourself, when was the last time you actually created something that demanded having uh, something like an, a full-fledged OS or a laptop? Do we? Do I even need this iMac station? Well, yeah, because we're recording this podcast on it. I do all kinds of stuff with slides and all of this presentation materials. So that kind of justifies it for me. But I don't, I've got a laptop out there that I, it mainly is used to read the internet. Yeah, that's and all my I, laptop I, really is too. I completely agree that I could, that would be no, nothing for me to switch to a cheaper device or medium to, to do something like that. So homework assignment listeners, ask yourselves what you really use your computer machines for. Well, I use mine for Facebook. Facebook wants to get into the set top boxes. And I find this to be really interesting and really just maddening at the same time. Now, wait, is this like a Facebook TV kind of thing? Like a no. separate, like, are they like the, instead of the Amazon box or the Apple TV, or is this them wanting to have apps on those? I'm going to, I'm going to start at the end and we'll work our way back. All right, go for it. Uh, Facebook wants to make money. No. Imagine that, right? What? They're a public traded company. No. Of course they want to make money. Facebook in order to make money, Facebook needs to sell ads. They need to they need to have viewed ads. No. How do they get ads viewed? Well, you see them in your internet browser when you're on your phone or on your laptop or whatever, right? Or when you're scrolling through your Facebook feed and they're like, Hey, look at this cool t shirt that you might like. Right. Exactly. So what if they built an app? specifically to the more movies that requires a viewer to watch for a longer period of time, and they could embed ads into those long-form videos. It looks like Facebook is going to build a Facebook videos app, much in the same vein as YouTube to an extent, for all the video content that's showing up on uh, Facebook these days. So the videos that are embedded, the live broadcasts that are people are using with Facebook Live, okay, and are going to have ads built into those that mechanism. I could get on board with this. I could I could really see where they could do a good job with this, make a much more elegant video because I've kind of quit going to YouTube these days. All the videos show up on Facebook now. True. I don't really need to go there anymore. So if Facebook is becoming the ubiquitous place where you digest all this video content, why even go to, to YouTube anymore unless you absolutely have to? So, Interesting. Uh, Facebook is going to bring their apps uh, hopefully to Apple TV, Roku, Amazon Stick. Maybe, I don't know if they'll get to Amazon, but who knows? Uh, be on the lookout for those coming in sometime this year, probably. So speaking of like Facebook TV, there's uh, the Apple TV. They're they're doing. We talked about this last week. So there's the there's the music thing that we 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 speculated. It was actually you speculating mm-hmm. that maybe they're getting into like a sort of MTV type thing. That maybe the Apple Music subscription might just not be about music. Um, to maybe they're going to start creating their own content. And I know for a fact from some friends of mine who are working on shows that Apple is making. So are we getting to a point? where 
There's Netflix original programming. There's Amazon original programming. There's Hulu original programming. Are we getting to a point where there's going to be, I mean, we're going to, if there's Apple original programming and then now the Apple TV or your phone or your iPad interface will now include your Apple original content? I really have two things to say about this. One, uh, my hopes and dreams of a MTV rebirth have been crushed. Oh, no. Uh, we have more info that's come out this week that really just shows that that's exactly what Apple is doing, is going along the same vein as the Amazon, the Hulu, the Netflix, and creating their own original shows. They're seeing all the awards and the Emmys and the Oscars that these shows are, are, are garnering, and rightfully so as well. So what's stopping a multi-billion dollar company like Apple from doing, hey, we can do that too. Go hire a creative director and a bunch of cameras and go shoot stuff. Yeah, we can make a bunch of money off of it because it's our stuff. That is great for your industry. Absolutely fantastic for your industry. It's more content outside the scope of the Hollywood good old boy club elite on Wilshire Boulevard getting the opportunity to create some of these more original outside of the normal box kind of programming. I'm all for that kind of – how would we have ever gotten a show like Transparent uh, on Amazon – to do that. I, I don't think that ever would have come out if somebody like Amazon independently hadn't backed that, right? True. And it's won uh, multiple awards. So I think having all kinds of shows like this are, are going to be fantastic. Yes, get Apple in the game. Uh, hell, get Google in the game. All of these companies that have the capability to do it, I think, are going to usher in kind of this 21st century media. Not only the way that we consume it, but they're going to be generating the media as well. And yeah, if they figure out how to put ads in it and you know make a buck off of it, absolutely. They're almost the new networks. Think yeah. about it. So instead of NBC, CBS, Fox, ABC, now you got Google, Amazon, Hulu, uh, Apple. Netflix. Netflix, yeah. yeah they're the new networks. It's interesting how it comes around that, that you, way, isn't it? You don't need a remote, or maybe you do, but you, you see what I'm saying? <laughs> like, yeah, but that's, that's kind of what, what's happening. Yeah. It's kind of cool. Uh, I could certainly see a day where Facebook gets into this as well. Of course um, they will. A uh, long way down the road. And I don't think it'll be you know long-form video series like that, but I could certainly see something along the lines of you know five-minute clips, paying like, doing like an epic mealtime kind of yeah. you know, as an example or something like that. Um, but yeah, to, to kind of tie a bow on that real quick, that is exactly what they're doing. They are trying to just make original content. I'm very upset. I really wanted some of my MTV type of stuff to come back, but it could, it could. You don't know that for I, sure. I, I, don't, I don't know that people would like it in this day and age. There was like a cool like underground movement for that sort of stuff. Speaking of underground, see what I just did there? <laughs> see it? He's on fire again this week. That's folks. what I'm doing. Elon Musk, it came out as, uh, we need to be really clear about this one. <laughs> Elon Musk is not building a tunnel under Los Angeles. But Let's be absolutely clear about that. It's still underground. He has, jo- <laughs> <laughs> he, what he has, has actually done is, is dug a giant hole in the Hawthorne, California campus of SpaceX. Underground. <laughs> which does descend beneath the surface, uh, but it is straight down. He's not tunneling under the city of Los Angeles. Okay. The, the idea here is this came out that Elon Musk plans to build a tunnel between Hawthorne and the coast or something. Okay. It's not happening. What he's doing, and it's kind of genius, which he's proven time and time again that he's a friggin' genius. Smart guy. Um, look, it takes forever, and it's extremely expensive to do the surveying to make uh, boring and, and drilling underground, tunneling underground, very, very expensive and very, very timely. What he is on the record as saying that he actually wants to do is improve that. So could I see Elon Musk using technology to come up with a way to use sonar or something along those lines to make that more efficient and uh, allow things like the L.A. Metro, the New York City subway, uh, all of that, the Chicago L, all of that stuff could be better? Absolutely. Without affecting infrastructure, without having to spend billions of dollars to reroute piping and all of it. 
absolutely that could be there's there's much more ways to do that and i think if anybody's going to figure out how to do that it's elon so does this have anything to do with the like the 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 super bubble tunnel thing that like uh, hyperloop hyperloop that's it does that have anything to do with that or is the hyperloop only going to be above ground or would there would this technology exist to to get underground as well completely separate projects okay um Hyperloop is for now an above ground thing. Yeah. And basically all they're doing is looking between LA and San Francisco right now because that whole mid central California is just wide open. There's yeah. really nothing out there except for orchards. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> all the fruit that you guys eat worldwide is, is coming from those orchards and meth, um, and, meth. And, and, and some crystal meth. <laughs> you know, there, there's some race car tracks up there, yeah. lots of trailer parks and, and some crystal meth. Um, the other thing is they're looking at doing one to Vegas, which would be a little bit more challenging because you yeah. got to go through the Cajon pass, yeah. uh, the mountain range that's right there. So I don't know. Hyperloop is a completely different thing. Uh, look, I think he's just, Trying to make things easier and more efficient, which he's is just, kind of what his MO is. Yeah, all he's just forward thinking, and that's cool. Hey, you know what else is pretty cool? What? Robots. Of course. Robots are, I think, going to take over the world at some point. Uh, I think initially, as we were talking about consumption earlier, I think they're going to bring an efficiency to consumption that might do so bad things to us to allow us to consume more faster. Oh, I thought you were talking about the robots consuming stuff. Like no, well, eating no stuff. they're not going to eat people okay. until at least 50 years from now, I don't think. But Maybe in the Terminator. Right. Reboot. Yeah. Okay. So uh, there's a guy <laughs> okay. in San Francisco <laughs> that was simply fed up with standing in line at Starbucks. And who isn't? Uh, right. We've all been there. We've had to stand in line while you know, Betty Sue gets her frappalappachitachupchino chill coffee thing and the peach thing made i didn't see that on the menu but okay so this guy henry hugh uh has decided or he and a few of his stanford buddies up in the bay area of course they went to stanford well i don't know if they went to stanford i'm just saying that to be facetious okay Okay. uh but the uh, they may have uh they went out and decided that they're gonna make a kiosk that in 20 to 30 seconds can make you a, a, a good portion of the same things you could get at a major coffee chain such as the certain flavors, uh, the cold coffee, iced coffee, and the major lattes and just house coffee in 20 to 30 seconds. Oh. So they've standardized the formulas, they've standardized the pours, and it's all in a little kiosk that's operated by a single robot arm. Oh, here we go. Another robot. Yep. Another ro- Does it have a name? I, I, I don't know. Uh, its name Cafe is, X is something I, like that. I thought the name is Gordon. The first robotic barista's name is Gordon. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. we've got Tally, the uh, the inventory guy. We've got <laughs> every week. We every week we have a new story about a robot thing taking over something. Oh boy, this is Gordon, the coffee robot. So sorry, uh, shelf stockers at grocery stores. <laughs> Uh, and baristas, yeah. you know, you're not going to get your $15 an hour. They're going to replace you with a robot arm Name that can Gordon. do the same job. Name Gordon. Gordon. Why is Gordon the coffee guy? I don't know. Maybe that's his grandfather's name and he's paying tribute. I don't know. Uh, but look out for Cafe X Technologies, these little kiosks. There's only one in San Francisco right now that I know of, but if this takes off they and they figure out how to mass produce these, I could see them popping up all over the world. Okay, let me just say this. I have a, I'm, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, a occasional coffee drinker, yeah. right? I have one of those Keurig things, yeah. right, where you put the little pod in the thing and you hit a button, boom, you have a cup of coffee in about 30 seconds. So couldn't they just do the same thing where you just go up to a thing and with the robot arm and you just say, hey, and you pick out your little pod and like, or you just push a button and then it grabs the Keurig thing for you of all the mold. Like, it's like the, it's like the Coca-Cola freestyle machine where you're like, I want a diet Coke with cherry. And like, you know, the, the button Coca-Cola machine, which is right. the greatest thing I've ever seen. Yeah. Is it like that? Could it be like that at so some point? Let me make sure I heard you correctly. So in order to, because we're too lazy to make a traditional pot of coffee, we invent, somebody invented Keurigs, which is now just a little pod. Yeah. That you put it in a machine, you get a cup of coffee in 30 seconds. But 
but that's still too much work. So now we have to create a robot arm that'll put the Keurig cup into the Keurig <laughs> yes. for us and make the cup of. Co- no, 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 come no, on, no, Nelson. Not, not in my house. I'm saying like, oh, in, okay. like I'm saying it's like if I, if I'm I was at the airport today. So I was at the airport today, and there was a huge line for Starbucks this sure. morning in Houston, right? And I didn't go to this. I went to Einstein Brothers and got a bagel, um, but I didn't wait in line for coffee. But if if there was the like the Best Buy Express thing that's like you hit a button and suddenly you get headphones, which if you didn't pack headphones, you suddenly need to impulse buy them in an airport. Right. I don't understand that. But right next to that, there could be Gordon the barista. Uh, yeah. Right. Who grabs your Keurig and be like, oh, I totally wanted a Starbucks vanilla latte. And he's like, great. There you go. There's there's nothing really new here. And and bear with me here. Wait. We've had coffee vending machines for decades. Yeah, like the one in Terminator 2, right? Where the guy like hits the button yeah. and then and he stabs him through the eye. Remember that? And I think the difference here is that they're trying to bring the same level of quality as these, uh, call it craft coffees or premium quality 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 coffee. Premium quality coffee brands <laughs> okay. uh, that you'd go to in the walk-in stores with the lines. I think they're trying to bring that same thing to uh, to this. So I, I don't know. Uh, is this revolutionary? Is it going to change the game? I don't know. Do I think robots and, and automation is going to change the entire fast food and you know quick consumption kind of game? Absolutely, it's all going to change in the next five to ten years. All right. So I, I think this may be a little stepping stone, a proof of concept, if you will. To uh, to showcase how these you know robotic automation type of infrastructures can be used, but we'll see where it goes from here. Because I mean, they've been building cars for years with giant robot arms. Yeah, uh, you know, as much as they say that they need people, I mean, Toyota uh, is one of the biggest users of robots in the world, and it, it's uh, you see some of those operations, and they can build a car in like thirty minutes. Wow, just it's crazy to watch. You know what else is crazy to watch? TV and movies. Big names, big budgets, flopping movies are abound yeah. in Hollywood. Yeah. And you know, this this conversation quick aside is kind of going back to what we were talking about last week with all the awards. Look, the, the there's there's funny disconnect that's happening in Hollywood that we talked touched on a little bit last week where these big budget big name movies are never showing up at the award shows. The fact that Deadpool got nominated was more of an anomaly than a than a, a rite of passage, I guess you could say, right? So we've had big films come out by some of the biggest names and biggest directors like uh, Scorsese with Silence. Yep. Uh, ben Affleck's Live by, Live by Night. Yep. Um, have completely flopped, like haven't even made $20 million. I think Scorsese's might have gotten to 40-something. But wow, some of the biggest names and biggest directors are not doing well. And it's interesting to me because even off the back of the nominations and the Golden Globe winners – People are flocking to see those movies instead of the newer ones that are have the big names attached to them. So they're going out to see Hidden Figures, La La Land, Fences, all of those films that I, I don't know why. Well, I mean, of course, they're going to be good films. I know why they're going, but why are these other ones being forsaken? Uh, when they're supposed to be these big budget, you know, big name type of films. Well, we talked about uh, we've talked about blockbuster fatigue in the past. Is yeah. there a bit of like an Oscar bait fatigue that's happening? Maybe not fatigue, but Oscar baiting. I yeah. could certainly see that. Is is the nomination of Oscars? Does it have a side agenda to get people to go see those movies? Or, or what I'm getting at is what I'm getting at is okay. I've seen all the serious movies now. Can we get back to the fun stuff? Is that was that what's happening? I, I don't know. Uh, maybe, but I. I don't understand. I, I think um, I heard Ridley Scott say this in a recent panel. I think it was the Hollywood Reporter thing. 
He said, we have too many movies. Too many movies, too many directors, too many actors, too much content to consume. Then we, we talked about this uh, content overload a few yeah. episodes ago, right? Yeah. And, and I think it's even made its way into movies at this point. There is a big movie, big budget movie, almost every single weekend, all 52 weeks a year now. Yeah. And I, I just you, you can't expect families to go drop 100 bucks every single weekend. Maybe you get them once a month. If you're lucky, twice. And that really sucks for when there's a, a new movie every weekend, that's they're not going to make the same money. So, yes, they're going to plan ahead as consumers and target which movies they want to go see. Not every movie, because you, Hollywood, have gotten greedy, and you have now put a slot. You've got a slate of films for every week of the 52-week year, and yeah. you market them unevenly. And you you are the reason that these tentpole blockbusters exist and why the other guys fall behind. Yeah. And hey, if that doesn't work, let's reboot some old stuff. Oh, God. And, and let's not only reboot it, we're going to go full gender bender on it. And what I mean by that is... I'm we, okay with that, though. Well, let, let's not, let's not, cl- not clarify ourselves here. Uh, so last year we had the Ghostbusters kind of gender bender reboot, right? Yep. And that's what I mean by gender bender. We're replacing a an, a male cast with a female cast, right? We're getting the same thing this year with Ocean's Eight, which is going to be an all female heist movie in the set in the same world as the the Ocean's Eleven and Ocean's Twelve, Thirteen movies, right? But of course, they started with eight, so they can make nine and ten, right? <sighs> I, I don't I'm know. Just guessing. We're, I'm just we're, guessing. We're speculating. Look, I I I like the idea of it. I'll, I do too. And, I, and I know that I know that we've 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 pissed on reboots uh, for multiple occasions except for the ones that we kind of like you know like in our in our certain universes but uh, i do want to see that maybe but then there's some other stuff coming yeah but do you remember the movie splash of course with tom hanks and daryl hannah's fantastic movie they're remaking it with channing tatum as a merman okay well he should just be aquaman then (laughs) i momoa would be great but i mean channing tatum as aquaman would be good too I, I, Rebel Wilson, we talked about Dirty Rotten Scoundrels last, last week, week yep. right? Uh, did I guess what I want to ultimately say is, is did they learn nothing from doing Ghostbusters last year? Did, did they not learn that this is not what the consumers want and it has nothing to do with whether the, uh, the casting has a, a penis or a vagina? It yeah. has absolutely nothing to do with that. True. Stop mucking around with our classic movies come out with some original content and cast all females if you want cast all males if you want whatever race and ethnicity you want does that doesn't matter that the point is you're really messing with our childhoods and it's really messing with the film legacy yeah it's not it's i guess there's a difference between a reboot and a remake right so a reboot of oceans eight would be like a totally new story whereas a remake with channing tatum as aquaman merman would be a remake yes um I can't remember the last remake that I can think of that was even close to or even even in the same, like, okay, that was really cool as the original. Right. Like, for instance, last year we had Magnificent Seven, right? Yep. It was a nice movie to watch, but it didn't even touch the original. Right. The year before Total Recall. Right. Or <laughs> Robocop or all Point Break or whatever they've done. None of them have even come close to what, what like, I'm hoping for the Predator thing with Shane Black directing that maybe that'll be something. I'm hoping for this... Tim Miller Terminator thing that we talked about last yep. week would be great. Uh, there's another one coming. There's a reboot of or a remake of Dune. 
coming with oh. uh, Denis Villeneuve, the guy that did Arrival, the guy that's doing the new Blade Runner. Yep. They're going to make another Dune. They've tried this a million times. The only Dune, in my opinion, that works is the um, David Lynch one from And 19- even that took a friggin' decade to get made. Sure. Yeah, was, there's a whole backstory. Yeah, the Jodorowsky. Jodorowsky's Dune, Dune, yeah. Right. Um, I just I hope that if they figure out a way, because that movie is all about them finding spice. I just want them to uh, every time they say like we need to go get spice. I just want like um Randy Macho Man Savage's face to come into like the like screen left like the Mortal Kombat like whoop dee. I want like I want every time they say spice. I want oh yeah. I, I want Slim Jim Randy Macho Man Savage coming to go spice. Like I just I just want that to happen. <laughs> I hope that happens in the remake. That's what I would do, and that's why I don't get paid to remake movies. But you'd see it if that was in there. Well, I certainly didn't see that coming. Uh, but that is a that's an excellent visual of face. A, just the the overlay foreshadow of uh, Macho Man's face figure yeah. sticking in. Oh yeah. Uh, look, you guys all know, by now know my love affair with James Cameron, and there was an article that came out on Screen Rant this week that uh, is really hit home with what we talked about last week with the award shows. And I hope you'll humor me, but I wanted to take a minute or two to read uh, a small passage. A quote from from Cameron that really just ties a bow on this and puts it all in perspective from the perspective of a filmmaker like James Cameron. Who's won a Best Picture Oscar, by the way. Yes. Uh, Go for it. Quote, there's definitely a bias. The Academy still has a majority of its members that are actors. Actors. Look, I love actors, but that's how they think. They're generally skeptical of technology. So when they see a film that's too dependent on visual effects, they say, oh, that's not an acting movie. Well, what they don't know is that Titanic was a visual effects movie in sheep's clothing. Yes, it had visual effects, but it was about the people and about the story. The visual effects were eclipsed by that. But on the other hand, if you do a movie like Avatar, the effects are right out front. And even though I felt the acting was just as good and the story we were telling was just as good, they're not going to reward it the same way. And that is just a fact of life. I had made a decision way before Titanic that I was not going to serve two masters. I was going to put my visual cinema first. Even though I've spent an awful lot of time on scripts and on performances, I still love doing big visual cinema. I doubt I'll ever get nominated again, but if I did, I'm probably going to lose to the likes of a Woody Allen movie. That's just the nature of it. So, ultimately, you just don't try to serve two masters. The reason I read that to you guys, I should say end quote, the reason I read that to you guys is that is absolutely the philosophy that someone like a James Cameron, like a Ridley Scott, like a Spielberg, like a Lucas, they cannot serve multiple masters. Their job is to make a good film. It's their job, and it's also their their passion. That's what they do. Absolutely. So they cannot be sidetracked by this trying to make awards movies, which unfortunately has become a focus of sorts. And you know, while we've got the interesting thing here between the two is that, and the reason this came up is, Look, all of the movies that consumers enjoy and spend their money to see are rarely, if ever, nominated. The only Best Picture fantasy movie winner was Return of the King. Yeah. Uh, and that was kind of a hand-me, if you will, right? It was a fantastic film. But it was an, we've talked about it multiple times. It's an award for the whole series, right? Sure. Look, that's really what the award shows come down to. For me, you have to take them at face value. It's a lot of pomp and circumstance. It's a high school graduation ceremony. 
it, it's people putting on fancy clothes and going out and seeing each other that they may not see, but once see twice a year and they get to have this big event and the network gets to show a ton of commercials. And we talked about that at length last week, which kind of leads us into the next thing we we're going to talk about, which is the big news in the geek world this week was Ben Affleck is saying that he is no longer, he's dropping out of directing the Batman. Mm. And that has been like the whole thing. Like Bat, Affleck is going to play Batman. He's going to direct Batman. He's going to write Batman with Jeff Johns, one of the great DC like comic writers. It's going to be amazing, right? Affleck this week steps down from uh, being the director of Batman. He's still going to play him. He's still going to be a part of the script, and he's still going to get to uh, apparently choose who's going to be the director or have a, or have a say in it, which I'm, 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 I'm okay with. Um, what do you think of this? Oh, pull my string. All right, so there's several things for me at play here. One, uh, we're off the back of the awards. Uh, we're off of kind of a failure flop of Live by Night. Uh, we're seeing uh, people that are directors that are ultimately responsible, right, wrong, or indifferent, for the success or failure of a film. He might be in a bad place. Uh, he might have gotten some coaching from more veteran directors that saying, look, you're trying to do too much. Back yeah. off. Just act. Just be the Batman for us. Which will be great. Which will be fantastic, right? So while I think Ben Affleck is a fantastic director, I love the films he's put together. Uh, the Town is one of my favorite like movies of the last Argo's 10 years. great. Gone Girl, also fantastic. So I, I don't know. I, where I fall on this is it's, it's trying to do too much, and you end up spreading yourself too thin, and ultimately all of those pillars fail, uh, in a sense. When you try and act, write, direct, you, you're just... You're, there's you're there's too many masters to serve at that point. DC doesn't have a really good track record right now. Batman v Superman didn't get a lot of critical uh, praise. Uh, Suicide Squad, of course, did not get a lot of critical praise, and a lot of that was heaped onto Zack Snyder, the director, and David Ayer, the director. Yeah. Nobody ever said like Affleck was terrible as Batman. Nobody said that. No, Affleck he was, was fine. He was great as yep. Batman, right? So if he's just in this movie and he just has to worry about that, and he can get another solid director to do it, if that movie is bad in any way, it doesn't come back on him. It's a smart move by him, in my opinion. Now, who would you think would be a good Batman director? Mm, I, I don't know. I, I, we were watching something with Kevin Smith earlier, and it was uh, he was talking. I mean, the bar is set with The Dark Knight. Yeah, it, and between that Joker performance and Bale's portrayal as Batman, I mean, the bar is right there. I agree with you. Batfleck was fantastic. Uh, I loved him in BVS. You know, I, I, that was fine, and I even watched that again recently. Who would I get to direct it? Uh, I don't. I mean, people that can do dark really well. Del Toro comes to mind. Okay, uh, he hasn't done anything in a while. That Crimson movie that he did, Crimson Peak. Yeah, it was okay. It was a little too Del Toro. Uh, but I mean, if you look back at Pan's Labyrinth, Hellboy, he, he can handle. He's familiar yeah. with these kind of fantasy comic he's book com- worlds. Yeah, and he can handle big effects, which yes. this movie would have. Yes. Maybe I don't know. Maybe it wouldn't because it's you know the Batman. It would be maybe more practical and not as supernatural stuff. Who knows. Um, my my thought would be the first person I would get would be Alfonso Cuaron. The oh, the did, Gravity. Uh, Gravity and uh, Children of Men. Yeah. Uh, he did uh, the Harry Potter, uh, Prisoner of Azkaban, which I think is the best Harry Potter movie. I didn't know he did that one. And that's a big like universe thing. So he can he could step into these big universes yeah. and, 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 and probably pull that off. Um, uh, the script is going to be the script. If, if I had to pick anybody to write a Batman movie script, it would be Kevin Smith. That mm. guy has written comic books. He's written Batman comic books. He's written Green Arrow That's comic books. That's an interesting... So why not Kevin Smith for director? Uh, he can't handle a big movie. He, really? he, does, he doesn't do big action. He doesn't do like... He does a lot of just... And he would probably admit that himself, that he wouldn't want to do it. He just he wants to see dialogue-driven character pieces. Yeah, so he should write it. His I could see him write it. I mean, yeah. he wrote that Superman Lives script that oh, yeah. never saw the light of day. But yeah. he would be a great person to write that script. But again, that script's probably already written with Jeff Johns and Ben Affleck and whatever. They just need to get a, a director. Maybe it's uh, maybe it's Inaratu, the guy that did uh, Bird 
Birdman, mm. but that might have too much of a director stamp on it. But then again, Snyder had that too. I look at who's got the pedigree to do not a, a big blockbuster comic book film who can do dark really well, who can do dialogue really well, and and I don't, I have, I'm not finding anybody but Del Toro that checks all those boxes uh, cor- off. For me, it's Quran, but I, yeah, I, yeah. I don't know if they'll get him. And he's worked with Warner Brothers before on the Harry Potter stuff, so that would be my. He my might choice. be a little too artsy. Uh, I don't, but I mean, Harry I don't Potter's so. kind of the. I don't think so. There. I don't think so. I think he could. I think he could live in that universe and, and make it good. Or maybe there's some young up and comer that you know, like maybe it's James Gunn, the guy that's doing the Guardians of the Galaxy. I had never stuff. heard of Ryan Johnson until he got episode eight. Looper. I mean, Looper's a great movie. Uh, oh, yeah. I didn't. So that's my point. I agree with you completely. I hope they go out and find one of these really talented directors that are uh, about town here in Hollywood and maybe not recycle. So maybe we're on the wrong track here and we you know, look to some of the new talent. Now, you did bring up Ryan Johnson there for a second. Yes. Now, he dropped some hints on episode eight this week, right? Oh, yes. There's been a lot of speculation with the red lettering, with all the new logo, the poster, the title. We, sh- we That's all we've seen so far was we yeah. the title reveal, right? The yep. Last Jedi. Yes. So this week there was an interview where he kind of gave us a little bit more, not so much about the film, but the inspiration. And you can kind of draw your own conclusions around it. So unless you're a cinemaphile movie lover, you're probably not going to recognize a lot of uh, these films. But 12 o'clock. Clock High. I've seen it. Uh, Three Outlaw Samurai. I have not seen it. Uh, and To Catch a Thief. I've seen it. Fantastic, right? So basically, <laughs> if you sum all of this up, he did it pretty well. Uh, quote, the next Star Wars film will be a pulpy romantic adventure with samurai-worthy fight choreography and lots of aerial combat. Sold! I'm in. <laughs> yeah. You throw Jedi and Star Warsy stuff into that, and uh, yeah, I'm in. So basically, he came out and he said, those were my inspirations, and I couldn't be more excited about that. Uh, it sounds like it's really good. He didn't give us any hints on whether or not The Last Jedi was going to be Luke. Uh, there's still a lot of speculation going around about that, but uh, yeah. Like we said every week, we're going to be on the Episode 8 hype train until, yep. uh, until the movie comes out. Mem- All aboard! Mem- remember Lando Calrissian? Remember Lando? Yeah. Remember him? Remember? Remember Lobot? Yeah. Was it Lobot? Lobot? Lobot, Lobot, Lobot yeah. Lobot, Lobot, yeah. Lobot, Lobot. So uh, in a couple of weeks, on February 21st, there is another book coming out, Star Wars Aftermath Empire's End, which will apparently tell the story of what happens after Return of the Jedi, <gasps> in between Return of the Jedi and The Force Awakens. Now, this is official Star Wars canon. This is, this is all written. Yes. Apparently, it's going to start out with Lando... After Return of the Jedi, heading back to Clown City. Uh, Clown. Clown City. Clown That'd be even hilarious. <laughs> even better. <More> funny. <laughs> uh, sorry. Starts off with Lando heading to a uh, back to Cloud City, where he has now been ousted as the leader and the Ooh. administrator of this city for being the uh, uh, involved in the rebellion, which is strange to me because at that point you would think when they take down the Death Star and all that stuff that the rebellion or the, I'm sorry, the empire is over. But again, I guess they still exist because that's why the force awaken exists. Well, if you remember at the end of Jedi, after Luke has the fight with Vader, it's pretty much overrun with stormtroopers and Imperials. Yeah. Right. So the, the, the guys in the red suits are there. It's, it, it's overrun. So I, I don't find it out of the realm of possibility. And we're, we could get into a whole star Wars story here, but the, yeah, we, we, you and I wouldn't complain that I could see that. And I'm literally looking forward to reading the book, but I could see a situation where they bailed, they ran off with the Falcon and went to kill the Death Star, and the the Empire just moved in. Yeah, it took over everything. Full on coup. No, there was no leadership, so they just took over Cloud City. And yeah, you can't have it back. Sorry, Meh. 
Uh, one more thing. Uh, another trailer came out for Beauty and the Beast this week. Um, I was really excited. It gave us a little bit more of, uh, we got to see more of Gaston. We got to see more of, uh, Cogsworth, the clock guy, who was mm-hmm. actually voiced by Sir Ian McKellen. Really? Yeah. I didn't know that. Oh, okay, yeah. Cool. Listen again. You shall not clock. Yeah. Um, you shall not pass time. Um, or whatever it would be. Uh, we got to see a little bit more of it. Uh, it looks awesome. Uh, it made my wife cry, which it always does whenever there's Beauty and the Beast music. Um, I can't wait to see it. Uh, I'm hoping that that uh, the reason I bring this up, I don't think there's going to be a Star Wars teaser or anything on the Super Bowl this weekend. I think that that trailer will drop on March 17th when the Beauty and the Beast comes out. It's a Disney movie. I think it's going to be attached to that. There's- I think it's still too early to get a Star Wars teaser that would be not much more than a, just the logo flashing up. I disagree because I, because we got a force awakens teaser, the Thanksgiving, a full year before episode seven came out. Now, granted that was a whole reboot, but I I feel like I was shocked that we didn't get um, something on rogue one. But if I thought about it more, they would have never have put a like episode eight trailer on rogue one. Cause the whole time you're watching rogue one, people like, Oh, did you see that episode eight thing? You wouldn't have focused on that movie and it wouldn't have made a billion dollars. The other thing to think about there is that you, uh, those two are connected. Yeah. So you don't have a year's worth of marketing to do. You've only got about six to eight months now. Right. Because we're getting one every year. Yeah. Right. Yep. So with before Force Awakens, you didn't have any. You didn't have that barrier. Which right? brings up another point that I forgot to even add Uh-oh. to the show notes. Uh, the Han Solo movie is in production. What? Yeah. Officially? Officially in production. They started this week. Uh, and and apparently uh, the working title, you know what a working title is? Mm, this, uh, so the thing they put on the, the clapboard when, you know, they like uh, yeah. uh, scene two, take one and ready, right? Yeah. Uh, the clapboard usually says the title of the movie, but they don't typically put the, the working title, uh, the fake title, so they don't know yeah. what you're working on, is Red Cup. Okay. You know why? <laughs> why? What's on the bottom of a red cup? From when Solo. You, oh. Ah, see what I'm doing there? Oh, I, I didn't goodness. do it. They did. They did. This has nothing to do with Beauty and the Beast. I was very, I am, am very excited to see that film, uh, which five years ago, if you'd said, hey, they're rebooting, they're remaking Beauty and the Beast in a live action format, uh, it would have been my reaction. But Emma Watson, it looks fantastic. Luke Evans as Gaston looks fantastic. Big fans of both of those actors. So I, what I, what happened this week with this latest trailer is something that has continued to just irk at me, and you're showing me too much in trailers. I literally don't need to go see the film. I don't need to sit through two hours anymore because you just told me and showed me all of the highlights throughout the entire thing. So you're almost working against yourself. You told me the whole story about the rose and the last petal and all of that stuff. Yeah, but you knew that anyways because you saw the cartoon. Of course. But that's what I'm getting at. But don't show me everything. Oh, you, you, you've, you've shown me everything in two and a half minutes. You don't want to see the live action version of it? You know what's going to happen. It's not like you go to see Titanic and like, oh, wait, the boat's going to make it this time. <laughs> Fair. <laughs> you know, I... I'll probably end up going and seeing it with you and the girls. Of course you will. Ultimately, that's really what it's going to come down to. But would I go out to see this movie on my own now that I've seen that trailer? Probably not. I'd probably wait for it to come out on video. I I, I get what you're getting at. So they've shown you all of the pivotal moments that you would have wanted to see in live action form. That's what I'm paying you $20 for to entertain me with that But you didn't hear any of the songs in the big songs. You heard the literature. Just the little things, right? You heard the jingles. All right. Uh, But look, this is a whole other side thing that has been bugging me for years, and I'm I'm about to the point. This might have been the tipping point where I just go cold turkey on trailers. We can't. We have a show to do. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, fine. All right. 
we'll we'll figure that out. Maybe I'll watch some of them and and be like, hey, you should watch this trailer if you wanted to to release your trailer blackout. No, I I don't know who I'm kidding. Absolutely, I I'll continue to watch trailers. But at the end of the day, look, I'm getting tired. Show me teasers. Show me little hot spots. Absolutely, but this kind of trying to show me the Cliff Notes narration in two and a half minutes is really starting to bug me. And I, I've always loved movie trailers, but it's gotten to the point now where they have so mastered the the two and a half minute trailer that it's just gotten to the point where I don't I don't need to go see your film anymore, and that's counterproductive. There's you, one there's one thing we have not seen a trailer for. Yeah, but there's another thing that is also in production. Uh, it is Star Trek Discovery. Finally, re, it's Finally. for reals. They've they've switched showrunners. They switch a whole all kinds of stuff. But this this show, the Star Trek new show, that's only going to be on CBS All Access and CBS streaming that's thingy. It. That's trigger. it. Uh, that is go- in production. When it's coming out, I have no idea. Uh, well, it just went into production. I mean, they probably don't have a date on it yet at this point, it's right? Probably next year. I don't think it's out by the holidays if it's in production I now. I don't think they have a chance to get it out this year. Hey, but you know what's going to come out this year? A bunch of video games. <laughs> Nintendo's back in the news, uh, committing to release two to three new mobile titles each year going forward. And I think that is fantastic. I, After the success of Pokemon Go and Super Mario Run that we have absolutely raved about, uh, I kind of had a hunch that this is the way they were going to go. The Fire Emblem one just came out yesterday. Absolutely. I uh, downloaded it, have not played it, have not whatever, but it's out. Uh, they did say that they delayed the Animal Crossing game that they were working on, but uh, yeah, hey, more Nintendo games on my phone. I'll take it. Uh, I will load my phone up with as many Nintendo titles as they want to throw at me. Um, look, they've there's a couple of other announcements. Super Mario Run, w- with the numbers that they had, that was only for iPhone. That was not a dual release. Oh, good so point. It is now coming out in March for Android devices, uh-huh. and we're going to see a complete resurgence, I believe, yeah, of Super Mario Run in 2017 sure. all over again. And this may get more friends of mine that are on Android devices playing against me, doing runs, yeah. all of that stuff. So I'm looking forward to playing through it again. Um, not again, again, but I mean with other friends, right? Uh, you played one of the new games that are kind of hot off the presses, or it's not released yet, but there's a beta going on, right? Yeah, we talked about it uh, last week. There was a beta over the weekend for this game called For Honor by Ubisoft, which is um, your it's it's sword battling kind of stuff, and it's you can either be a knight or a Viking or a samurai based in um, the past, and it's uh, it, I I felt like as I was playing it, it's kind of like Braveheart, the video game. Like you, okay. you're, like, but you know what I mean. Like you're like a you're either a knight or a samurai, and there's a bunch of like NPCs that are running around, and like you're trying to take a castle, and it's all about like capture points and like a yeah. a siege, but it's all like swinging a sword and having certain moves. And there's three types of samurai, three types of Vikings, three types of knights. There's a very like destiny element, like warlock, uh, titan, uh, uh, hunter element to it. Um, I enjoyed the beta when I played it. I thought it would have been fun to play with somebody else and actually try to work together to try and yeah. get these things. Um, is it a 3D Mortal Kombat? Is that really what it comes no, down to? No, not at all. Not at all. It's You know what it reminded me the most of? There was a series of games. You know what it reminds me of is the uh, the Dynasty Warriors games for the PlayStation uh, or Kessen. Do you remember the Kessen games for the PlayStation 2? It, yeah. it was like the big... like siege things where like yeah. there's a whole army that you're running around with but you're one guy that's like has the biggest sword and you're climbing up ladders and whatever um i i enjoyed it i had a good time with it i was leveling up characters and i did all that work this weekend and of course none of that will matter uh it comes out it gets uh, wiped sure it'll come out uh on valentine's day so uh, a couple Aww. days from now <laughs> yeah 
Um, take the person that you love and help them battle with samurai. Um, Bash them with a broadsword. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Um, I I feel like t- for me I feel like this is a game fly game. I don't I don't feel like uh, once I level those nine characters up that I'll have anything to do. I don't think there's any sort of end game after that. Yeah. Um, I enjoyed it. I liked the the gameplay of it. There isn't anything like it out there. Um, but yeah, that's that's pretty much it. Uh, the gameplay that I've seen so far on online is uh, it looks a lot like the gameplay from Shadows of Mordor, the Lord of the Rings game. Uh, where you're just kind of a sword wielding dude in a 3D world, open yeah, world. Yeah, take the magic out of it, but it's, yeah. it's not really an open world. It's very like linear, very linear. like there's small maps. So hmm. um, I enjoyed it, um, but like I said, I think it's I think it's a I think it's a rental. Uh, one of the games that you guys have uh, kind of dragged me into kicking and screaming is uh, Rainbow Six Siege, and they're doing a free play weekend this weekend. Yep. So I got to play that for the first time uh, last night with the boys. I think we'll probably play a little bit more tonight or this weekend, but eh, it's a good time, you know, hanging out with the guys, shooting some terrorists, you know, saving hostages. It's a little bit different speed from like the typical first person shooters that we normally do, like a Call of Duty or in a Battlefield or a Destiny, right? It's uh, those games are very much like shoot, 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 kill, 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 kill. This is very much like a tactical, like break into a thing and then like take this thing out, use your shotgun. There's a guy around the corner. You might hit him with a bullet. If you hit him with one bullet, he's dead. Great. And like what? Like tactical, like throw a flashbang in there. Like it's very Tom Clancy. Um, I enjoy it. Uh, it's it's it might be a little too slow for you. I'm like, in very much in super fast paced Overwatch mode right of course, now, so of it's course. it's going to be slow for me. But no, I I enjoy anything that involves a social gathering or a group of guys going in and doing a thing, yeah. regardless of what the game is, regardless of what the platform is. Uh, I I enjoy that. So. You just mentioned Overwatch. Doesn't the uh, the year of the rooster or the year of the cock, as you called it last week? Doesn't that <laughs> ev- doesn't that event end soon? Uh, I'm not a hundred percent sure, but I think so. I think this next week will be the last week. It's supposed to be a three week run uh, of the event. They're doing the same thing in Heroes of the Storm. They're they're kind of doing this year of Lunar New Year thing across all of the Blizzard titles right now. Uh, so it's it's pretty interesting. You get a lot of new skins and things like that. And I'm having a blast right now. I'm just grinding for as many of those boxes as I can get because sure. once the event ends, they're gone. You don't. You can't even buy them. You wow. can't even buy the skins. That so they're very exclusive. And and our friend Jared brought up a good point today. He says we have to keep remember that this game hasn't been out uh, for even for a year yet. So there probably will be a time where these ho- uh, holidays and holiday events will come back around again. You'll have another chance to get them. But until then. You know, if you want that special skin for Diva or May or any of those other characters, you got to get it this this week. There's one other game that you played this week that I also bought, but I still haven't opened because I was in Houston. It's a little scary. I don't know how to put this into words that will convey the horror of Resident Evil 7. Uh, so what I'm going to say is, is that I hope that all of you listening played the original Resident Evil game back on PlayStation, PlayStation 1. PlayStation 1. Yeah, 95 or whatever it came out. The horror and the terror and the dread and the dark and all of that stuff and the sounds and the bang 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 on walls and shit bursting through walls all of that's back it's been gone for a few games but all of it's back the eerie kind of environment i was literally sitting here at midnight till two in the morning in the complete dark with the sound cranked up and all you have is this little flashlight. The rest of the room's dark, and it's just drops and drips and eerie sounds. Yeah. And just, it is creepy. It is gross. It is genuinely terrifying. My heart was racing. My palms were sweating. And I literally had to stop playing the game because I wasn't sure whether I was having a heart attack or not. Is this because of the whole first person element to it? Does that add to it? Or? I think it adds a ton to it. 
It really, really does. Because in third person, you can still kind of see, you know, think of it like a 270 field of view. Right. Right. So, and now all you're seeing is like your 180 in front of you, right? You still have to spin around. And when you spin around, there's, you might see Ugh. like the shadow of somebody walking past a door. And that kind of shit with combined with the music and the sound effects that's going on in the game. Holy smokes. Five stars. They've hit it out of the park with this. And I'm only an hour to two hours in. There's people doing 90 minute speed runs of this game wow. already. And I've only, I've spent two hours playing it. And I'm only just now getting past the kind of intro shit, right? Wow. So I'm looking for, I'm going to play the ton shit out of it this weekend to get past a ton of the content. And hopefully by next week, have it done and give you guys a, a full review of it. Uh, you know how much I love scary stuff. I'll get to it when I get to it. But uh, yeah, it's going to, if you're saying it's that scary, I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to really like, okay, I'm going to have to like hunker down. Yes. And, it, I know. was not expecting to be that, you know, shaky, shaken playing that game. I'm thinking about it right now. I'm a little shaken. One more thing. We've been recently singing the praises of Titanfall 2. Um, uh, Nick finally came around and played mm-hmm. the, uh, the the single-player version, got through the campaign. Uh, he wasn't too thrilled with the multiplayer. I wasn't too thrilled with the multiplayer. EA is going to uh, add another multiplayer mode uh, very soon, a free download. There mm-hmm. is not a, there's not a season pass kind of thing for this, which I love. Um, there is a new game mode with a 6v6 team deathmatch, but there are no Titans involved. You're just going to be the pilot and running around with those guns. And I think that could be interesting for a little bit. Is it going to be better than uh, the Call of Duty or the Destiny PvP? I don't know, but it's something I kind of want to play. My, my first reaction is, huh? Yeah. No, wait. I bought your Titan game to, to drive mechs around, and you're not going to have Titans in it? I've, come on. I, that was one of my big gripes with the multiplayer. Originally, forget this new game mode. The fact that you have to spend 10 minutes to get a Titan for two minutes and then spend another, and by the t- and then you're dead. Yeah, I want it the other way around. I want to have an all mech all the time battle, and I just I think they're missing out on their mech Titan game by not putting Titans in the game. Maybe that's the, the next one. Stuff. Maybe that's the next one. You're I, you're right on on that. You're, I, you're spot on. Just, I, I, I've got plenty of shooter multiplayer games to go play right now. Give me something like driving mechs around, all mechs all the time. If I, if my mech dies, I die, and I, ha- I I'm out of the game. But don't give me another Call of Duty reboot. I, okay. I just, you know, it's I've got plenty of those. I think you're absolutely right. You're you're right. The other thing to bring up about Titanfall here is that EA is kind of playing the long game with them, much in the same vein as the Battlefield series. And what I mean by that is that uh, if you look at Battlefield Four, Battlefield Four was around for three to four years. Yep. Uh, and people continued buying that game, and I'm one of them up until like a couple of years ago. I, I was a late bloomer to Battlefield. Uh, but people are continuing to buy that game even today. They're continuing to buy Battlefield 4. So that was what's happened all the way up through Battlefield 1 getting released. They're playing the exact same game with Titanfall and Battlefield 1 uh, just to play that long game. So the fact that they didn't sell 20 bajillion copies on the first weekend, they don't care. They see this as a much longer game over the course of a year or two years to continue to do this kind of you know DLC kind of content, new maps, new weapons, yep. new skins, yep, all yep. that that's where the money's at when you get these season passes and downloads and stuff, right? Well, speaking of competitive gaming, look, we are on the eve of what is quite possibly the biggest sporting event, competitive sporting event of the year, every year, in the Super Bowl. We thought it would be an interesting topic this week to take a look from a geek perspective of what the Super Bowl is, why the draw is there, outside of the normal viewpoint of sports fans. Yeah. So let's let's take this, and you and I are sports fans, so we have to kind of remove and detach ourselves a little bit, but we wanted to take this from the angle of the geek uh, that we are uh, that maybe doesn't 
isn't into sports, that doesn't watch a lot of sports. But what we have to recognize is that for some reason, they still tune in to the Super Bowl. Most of them. I don't want to speak for everybody, but there's a very there's millions of people that don't watch football every year that watch the Super Bowl. And this isn't about the Falcons versus the Patriots. This is about the event. This is about what we're going to watch. And it is a all-day affair with parties involved yeah. or food involved and it's it's a big event almost a national holiday right well we absolutely we have to ask ourselves why people that don't entertain the sport throughout the season somehow tune into the big final game and really what does that come down to why i mean yes we know that they they do tune in but and they do all of these things is it the social gatherings is it i mean the commercials are a big thing every year right sure is is this a, a peer pressure thing to be able to have the conversations around the water cooler at work i mean that's what i really want to explore here so um, I'm really interested to kind of dive in and, and think about what these different reasons that people it's arguably the most viewed thing every year. It is. It's yeah. not arguably. It is. It is the most viewed television program. Every year. Yes. Worldwide. You know what I miss the most about it, though? Bud Bowl. Oh, yes. <laughs> Maybe oh, Bud Bowl. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I think all of these things are valid, and I think it's interesting to kind of look at this from the perspective that it, outside of a sports fan, um, how do geeks enjoy sports without necessarily watching sports? So you don't have to actually watch the sporting games and know the stats and all that sort of stuff. There are sports films. There's Field of Dreams. There's uh, Rudy. There are movies that are just really good that are based around sports and a, and a true like uh, hero story and a human story around like you know the rise and fall of a hero, right? Uh, it's it, it it's in video games. There's Mario Karts. There's Mario Tennis. There's Mario Golf. Again, all about competition and like trying to win. Um, there's uh, the Wii Sports is like a perfect example of that. You remember like uh, Wii Sports was like about bowling and they had golf and they had baseball. Tennis and all of it. Yeah. Sure. And it wasn't about like you being a good tennis player or about you being a good bowler or about you whatever. It was just a simple. It was a game. Yeah. Right. And it was a game that like you could just play with your friends. And, and it was it was an amazing thing. Uh, there's this there's this there's this world of, of fantasy sports. We don't have to do anything. We don't even have to watch the sports. We just have to pick some players that that some computer tells us that they're good at certain stuff, whether it's football, whether it's hockey, whether it's baseball. And then we get points. It's all about points. And it's all about competing in a certain sort of like thing that happens again it's all about just winning right and is that something that's built into our dna as as humans that really becomes a a a human nature kind of question because i mean if you look at something i I think we sports is a great example uh when you when you really take all peel all the sports away from it you put a we in front of somebody and a we mode in their hand and all of a sudden they're playing tennis and baseball it's a it's a thing psychologically where maybe you weren't good enough or maybe you didn't want to be a physical athlete, but now you can enjoy these and have many competitions with your friends and it turns into a party. You never know. Sure. Uh, it's all about a, a team. Maybe uh, like if you have a team of like, let's say on, on like a video game, right? Yep. Let's say you have a team of people that are trying to win a certain, whatever, all the video games that we play, like overwatch, we were talking about yep. call of duty. All of those are based on point systems and uh, points for kills or whatever. Um, it's, it's essentially a sport. Um, you could argue that Call of Duty or like an elimination game like that is dodgeball. You throw a ball at somebody and they're out. You, you kill them with a gun and they're out. You know, it's, it's the same kind of thing. It's a race. There's, there's a game like Rocket League, which is essentially a bunch of trucks 
driving around hitting a giant soccer ball into a big <laughs> goal. That's a rocket league. They're game. They're people that don't even yeah. play sports like that game because they drive around in a truck and they get to knock a ball into a goal. That's a sport. Yeah, the it's, biggest title video game that's sold every year is the FIFA game. Of course, and worldwide Madden, and Madden, and whether or yeah. not you like football, maybe the people that like weren't good at football but they still get to play football because they're really good with that sort of stuff. Uh, I think you hit on something really big with the. Um, we've seen the rise of DraftKings and FanDuel. Yeah, uh, they we were blanketed and just peppered with commercials of those two. Uh, sites, yeah, and they're basically on. they're legal gambling. If if I'm being honest, sure. uh, but at the same time, it gives people a different way to digest sports or you know look at sports. And I think we had this rise of fantasy that we hadn't seen yet uh, in the last two to three years that we thought it had reached a certain pinnacle, but then it just exploded with the whole daily fantasy thing. So every week you got to pick a new whole set of players, throw ten dollars at them, and maybe you win a million dollars. Sure, it's it's kind of like playing the lottery, but at the same time, it's you know it's still a competition. You're still trying to win. That's the whole point. The whole point is yes, uh, the the geek culture isn't necessarily into sports or into sports like we are, like huge sports fanatics. But if they're not, like there's still again a game. There's a game of some kind that you have to win or lose. Right. And you're competitive. If you're not competitive uh, with with the other people you're playing with, you're competitive with yourself. Like a like if you play golf, you're competitive with yourself. Absolutely. If you play uh, uh, tennis, you're competitive with yourself. You know, and, and again with the other person. But um, I think the other thing about the the Super Bowl that that is is important is it's also like we talked about with the commercials and the movie trailers like from a geek perspective like it's you watch it to to maybe there's new stuff that's going to get announced and new stuff that's going to get you know we'll talk about what the new trailers are next week we'll talk yeah. about when maybe there's a video game trailer that drop maybe there's a good commercial maybe there's a certain type of dorito we want to eat that's going to be tomorrow <laughs> right mountain dew code green whatever that's going to be right yeah so the super bowl isn't necessarily about the actual game itself which again we have not mentioned uh, falcons versus patriots it's about the celebration of the event, it's about they, the the companies know that there's bajillions of people watching it, yep. and they will say, like, here's the new stuff we have coming out. It's essentially a big marketing thing, right? Yeah, totally. Absolutely. It's a giant platform for advertising, in, in my opinion. Yes, there's also a football game that happens, uh, but I'm talking outside the scope of the game. It's a huge industry for food and service. Yep. Uh, I mean, all the specials that are going to go on this weekend uh, that are already happening this week for food preparation uh, deals, buy one, get one freeze on hot dogs and yeah, steaks and, and all of that stuff sure. that's going on. I some mean, people are just like, I just want to watch the Super Bowl to watch Lady Gaga at the halftime show. Maybe. Right. And it, like for my kids who could care less about football, they can't wait until like, oh, Lady Gaga's playing. Look at that cool thing that happened. Right. Yeah. It's all about the spectacle. It's all about the fun. There just happens to be a huge like NFL game in the middle of that. <laughs> the whole Katy Perry left shark thing went <laughs> on for two years now. <laughs> right. That's uh, since it came out. So the, the Timberlake uh, war uh, and Janet Jackson wardrobe, mo- yeah. uh, wardrobe slip, whatever it was. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Like there's like there's the Super Bowl is an event that we can't ignore. Right. Even as, as geeks, as gamers, we can't ignore what it is. Well, look, there's a reason that. You know, to me, there's a reason people love playing Mario Kart but never watch a NASCAR or F1 race, mm. right? There's something in our DNA that that drives us to compete, and I think the uh, the unsavory side effect that comes from this is it can lead to bragging, you know, humble bragging. It can lead to you know these drives to be the best, and if you're not first, you're last, you know, right? Ricky Bobby. Uh, it can lead to things like, you know, teabagging in video games and just this kind of, you know, bullying kind of shit that comes around. 
but I think when you're what you have to be careful of is at the same time you, you're you're not being you're not being an asshole. Don't be an asshole in video games, right? Uh, and which a lot of that stuff is. And it's mostly kids, if I'm being honest. But there are adults that do it too. Uh, and at the end of the day, like you said, there's points. There's always points involved in every aspect of everything. And this is a phenomenon known as gamification. Hmm. Right. So even in forums and bulletin boards and marketing websites and contests and all of the, there's a gamification aspect that happens in all of these things. And if you really peel away all the layers of the onions, onions, that's <laughs> what this is really all about is it comes down to who's got the most points, who's the best at getting those points. And you know, it, that gives you a certain level of bragging rights. And where, do, and where does bragging rights come from? Where does the teabagging come from? Where it's, it's like teabagging teabagging is the, is the video game version of when you sack a quarterback, you stand over him. Yeah, you know, and you walk you know I mean? out, or right, yeah. or when you when you hit a home the run, touchdown or dance. when you hit a home run off a pitcher, you drop the bat in a certain way, and you bat like, flip, right, okay. and you and you walk to first base. It's that like taunting and gloating, like all the ESPN highlights that we see. Yeah, there is a video game version of that. I wonder if we'll have the top ten tea bags on ESPN <laughs> yeah. esports one day. Who right? knows? <laughs> Who knows? And that's a whole other thing that, that that should be talked about. There, there is a competitive gaming thing, you know. Uh, just like, just like we watch the greatest football players in the world play on Sunday, there are the greatest video gamers of the games that we play. That we, you and I, don't aspire to be them, but some kid might aspire to be those people. And yes, there's a money thing involved in it, and yes, there's a huge marketing thing involved in it. Um, it's a sport as well. Well, it's it's interesting that this all led to esports because I had a great conversation with my dad uh, today, actually. And what's going on right now is the Heroes of the Storm uh, regional tur- uh, fi- tournament is going on right now. Heroes of the Storm is a MOBA much in the same vein as League of Legends. It's a 5v5 kind of tournament thing, right? And the, 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 the object of the game is to destroy the other team's nexus or their main castle, right? Sure. And you have to fight your way through all of these obstacles and barriers. So at the end of the day... What you've got is a sport, right? You've got five versus five, whatever you want it to be. So the conversation that I had with my dad today was uh, I shared the live stream of the game happening, and he we ended up talking on the phone. And he's like, "What's this? Uh, what's this? Heroes of the Storm thing you shared?" And I was like, "Well, it's it's esports. This is a sport." And he goes, "Yeah, I don't understand what's going on though." And all the, <laughs> there's all these little characters running around and they're shooting magic and shit everywhere. And I was like, "Well." Imagine if you had never watched an NFL game and you had no idea what was happening. Do you know all the rules? Do you know all the moves? Do you know the slang? All of that stuff. No. Well, I said, well, I do because I've been watching people play video games for upwards of five years at this point, if not longer, right? I I used to watch competitive Unreal Tournament games back in 2001. So that's kind of the, the stigma is while people are comfortable because there's been peer pressure to understand all of these sports for many, many decades now. As esports is coming along, there's this interesting uh, thing that has to happen where you have to relearn a set of rules for a new sport. And once he, once I started explaining some of these, no, he can't do that because that's illegal and it, it will count as no, you can't do that until you do this, this, and this. Once I started setting off all those things, it's, it gets you more engaged. You're more, oh, he just made that move and he did that thing and he cast that Wait, spell. Wait, your, your dad was saying that? No. Okay. But I'm just saying that's the kind of, once right. you, instead of slandering or making fun of somebody because they don't know, I guess the moral of the story is educate them. Bring them in because I think that's how mainstream sports have really become. So I guess what I want to finally say is if you encounter a geek that's never watched sports 
and you love sports and you want them to love sports as much as you do, don't let it be intimidating. Uh, educate them. Bring yeah. them along slowly. When I first started watching hockey with you guys five, six, some odd years ago, I had no idea what the hell was going on. I, I, what's the blue line? What's the trapezoid? What's the goalie? Why is that offsides? I don't know. Why is there? Why are they changing guys every five minutes? Between, yeah. I had no, no idea. But you guys were very helpful. Explain every even today if I have a question about why something happened. So my point is. Bring people along. Yeah. At the end of the day, it's just a game, and it's something that you shouldn't be afraid of. It's just something that you should be able to watch and enjoy. A game is a game. It's a competition, whether it's hockey, whether it's Heroes of the Storm, whatever it is. I I like the fact that you talked about how you were talking to your dad and explaining to him, like, here's what Heroes of the Storm is. But he sees it on TV, and he's like, oh, this is a thing. I I should care about this. Why? That's exactly what we're getting at. If you don't enjoy sports, you don't enjoy sports. There's nothing wrong with that. There's plenty of people that are in that vein. But it, you can also take something away from it as well. There is, like I said, there's a gamification to everything. You can find something in just about anything to enjoy. So for the Super Bowl, for a lot of people, they watch it for the commercials, right? They enjoy that aspect of it. For a lot of people, they enjoy the gathering of their friends and having eating a bunch of junk food, right? Doritos and cocktail weenies and, and chicken wings. Delicious. All the amazing food groups, right? <laughs> Their food, those are chicken wings is a food group. I, I swear it is. Yes, yeah, so is ranch. <laughs> and the last thing I'll say is, look, just have fun. Who cares if you can't have the conversation about how many touchdowns and how many yards Antonio Brown had? It, it doesn't matter. The point is you watched a thing and it was fun and you had a good time doing it with people that you liked being around. And if none of those criteria were checked off, don't do it. If you don't have fun doing it, don't do it. Uh, but I would really love to hear what, uh, what you guys have to th- say. Uh, is this something that you as geeks, are you... If you don't really watch sports and you watch the Super Bowl, I would love to hear what you take away from it because um, I haven't had one of those conversations before about somebody that doesn't watch sports throughout the season but also watches the Super Bowl. What do you do that for? would love to hear you guys' feedback. I would too, but first let me tell you about one little fun story that I read this week. So at the Sundance Film Festival, our old old friend Adam Sandler, uh, he had a reunion with like the David Spades, like all those like old SNL guys, right? Yeah, the 90s SNL cast. So here's the thing. Adam Sandler turned 50. Oh. 50. Adam Sandler, Happy Gilmore, Billy Madison. He is 50 years old, right? So he has uh, he has a 50, uh, 50-year-old birthday thing, whatever, in Utah with all of his old SNL buddies. Yeah. He's making, uh, apparently, a movie with, with uh, Ben Stiller at some point that's coming up. But I guess... Adam Sandler, uh, for us, like he, like we kind of grew up with him, like right, like I was gonna say he's the same age as us, but he's actually ten years older than us, but well, um, close enough. So that will take us to our lightning round. Ready for this one? Outside of Happy Gilmore, Billy Madison, and The Water Boy, the only Adam Sandler movies that we actually like. How many Adam Sandler <laughs> movies can you name? Go. Uh, Spanglish, Click. Yep. Pixels. Yep. Fifty First Dates. Fifty. Yeah. Uh, Hotel Transylvania. Little Nicky. I liked Little Nicky. I don't care what anybody says. It was hilarious. Big Daddy. <laughs> it was the one with oh, the... Big Daddy was funny. I like Scuba Steve or whatever. Yes. Hey, Scuba Steve. Yeah. I see what you're trying to do, Penguin. Oh, that's Billy Madison. I that know. is probably my just favorite guilty pleasure. I see what's going on here, Penguin. Yeah. They called the shit poop. <laughs> it's that damn poop again. <laughs> it's the flaming bag bags of poop. Don't put it out with your 
boobs, Ted. There are so many bad Adam Sandler movies, but we can't <laughs> even list them all here. What a horrible lightning round, but I'll tell you what. Uh, it was a good time tonight. We went long, but you know what? Uh, we've been up for a long time. Uh, enjoy the Super Bowl. Uh, enjoy your week. I'm Andy Nelson. You can find me at Andy Nelson 76 on Twitter. And I'm Nick Howell. You can find me at Data Center Dude over on Twitter. And we will see you guys next week. Later. Bye. This show is part of the Orbital Jigsaw Network. For more episodes, subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher Radio. For details and show notes from each episode, check us out, orbitaljigsaw.com.